0: Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, If you're new, my name is Christian and here I discuss various strategies to improve your child's health using lab testing, diet, supplementation, sleep uh, hygiene improvement, cleaning up uh, the home and environment from toxic insults and many other things. So thank you for joining me. Today I would like to discuss the gluten-free, casein-free diet. Now, many parents uh, at the initial stages of their journey uh, come across this diet. And I believe there's a lot of, let's say, misinformation about the potential benefits of the diet and what what the diet is. Uh, So I'm hoping to cover some of these today. Uh, Just to let you know, I have... I recently published a two-hour course on the topic of the healthy gluten-free, casein-free diet. There's a link below to udemy.com where the uh, course is hosted. It's only like $15. So if you're interested in uh, a video presentation with slides with me explaining some of these concepts that I'll cover today in a little bit more detail, please check it out. There is also a link to Sign up to my mailing list, and if when once you sign up to my mailing list, I will send you a free two-hour video course on selecting uh, quality nutri- nutritional supplements for your child. Uh, you may also be aware that I'm the author of a book. Uh, there's a link down below. 300-page book: Autism Wellbeing Plan: How to Get Your Child Healthy. So, if you haven't seen that, please check it out. I have a whole chapter on on diet uh, there's uh, nearly 500 references to scientific papers in the book so very well researched book uh, very comprehensive so i truly believe one of the best resources out there for parents of autistic children so if you have if you're new to the podcast and you find this information useful trust me the information in that book will be much much more uh I suppose useful and 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 uh detailed than what I can cover talking to you you know 20, 30 50, 60 minutes, whatever. So please check those links out at your leisure. Um so let's let's start I guess with the what is the role of the and when I say gluten free casein free diet, I want to reiterate that I it's I call it the the course that I just published <clears throat> is called the healthy gluten-free casein-free diet, right? It's not just the gluten-free casein-free diet, it's the healthy gluten-free casein-free diet. Because we all know that there's many ways to skin a cat as the same goes. So you can do the diet very um let's say Half-assed, right? You just swap in gluten-free, casein-free products for all the bread and cereals and dairy products that your child eats, and I believe that's the wrong way to do it, right? And for for multiple reasons that I'll cover today, and of course I cover in my book and I cover in my courses that I have uh, online. But um, let's start with what are the potential problems with gluten. And casein for for I suppose all people, but in in this case we're talking about autistic children. And as you would know, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, or you, you have my book from the research I've done for the book, <clears throat> autistic children suffer very often suffer from multiple underlying health challenges be they metabolic, um, functional, and so on. So we're talking about uh, diminished detoxification capabilities. We're talking about um, uh, sometimes there's exposure to toxic uh, chemicals and and heavy metals. There is often some underlying gut dysfunction, uh, 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 pathogenic overgrowth, or um uh, uh infections, so bacteria, yeast overgrowth like candida, uh there's nutrient deficiencies and m- many other things, right? That we'll of course have covered and will continue to cover because that's the whole premise of my book and, and my work is we need to identify these often hidden underlying health issues and every child is different so they're going to have different issues so we need to identify them and address them with the help of you know your doctor your naturopath your nutritionist whatever who whoever else you're working with you need to identify and uh, address these things so that these impediments to health once removed they will allow your child's uh, you know innate Bodily intelligence to bring them to basically their 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 state where they can thrive the optimal uh, body's uh, healthy state right you cannot do that if these um, imbalances and health challenges are are just for year months and years are unidentified and they are left to fester and get worse right so with when it, so we know the the point of that that uh, preamble was we know that um, uh, autistic children have a lot of hidden health challenges that you, you may not be aware they might look otherwise healthy physically and and everything else they might look in great shape their poop might be they might be pooping very regularly and the poop might be all good but. These things are hidden from from you and your doctor unless you do some further investigation with lab testing, as I cover in my book. So, when there's underlying health issues, mm-hmm. gluten and casein or dairy products, they can make those worse. And now, for a healthy person, you, they can eat quite a lot of gluten, um, uh, drink a ton of milk, and and whatever else, and and you know even eat very very unhealthy food. And they might not have any health problems, but when there's underlying health problems, if you add those uh, things on top of that, that that's when you might start having problems. So what? So let's start with gluten. Gluten is basically a collective term for a group of proteins found in wheat, barley, and rye, and triticale. So it's a it's a the collective name that we use for the various proteins. Uh, uh, gliadins and glutenins. So there's about 70 of them in total. And it's one of the most common allergens out there. In, in general, gluten is difficult for humans to digest, right? Uh, especially nowadays with all these uh, herbicides, pesticides, and whatever else that um, damage our gut lining and our microbiota, so the, the beneficial Organisms in the gut help to digest various uh, foods right so gluten is one of those so if our gut lining and microbiota are compromised, or if your child's gut lining and microbiota are compromised, gluten will be more difficult to digest right and in general um, uh, all all grains can be problematic if they are not um, uh, processed. Properly, right? So, I, I don't know. I've spoken about this before, but um, basically, back in the day, we would soak and ferment and just do all these kind of more ancestral type uh, processes to to the grains that would inactivate certain uh, compounds that are not so good for us, right? So, there's certain, uh, you know, trypsin and certain. Uh, enzyme inhibitors and certain compounds that bind with minerals w- when when we're eating this uh, these grains and obviously you know if they bind with the minerals we can't absorb them fully we can't utilize them so nowadays it's a, the 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 supply chain is such that you know they pick the wheat and then as soon as possible it, it can it's put through the supply chain so it can be processed ground down made a bunch of into a bunch of products and sold, so that's not the right way, or that's not the, the most beneficial way to eat these grains, right? So yeah, so there are many components of gluten to which your child can react. So and the most basic food sensitivities, food sensitivities tests, don't test for them, right? Uh, And this is again something I want to reiterate, your child might not actually have any gut symptoms if they are reacting to gluten, in fact any food sensitivity. It's not necessarily going to be diarrhea or some type of uh, gut discomfort and this is worth stressing because even many doctors still are not aware of this, of the role of the gut in many things, including, you know, you have you could have some type of skin problems. I think now it's much more common knowledge, even like lay folks uh, that are not necessarily, don't have a background in nutrition or physiology or, or whatever else, they understand that uh, uh, even skin issues can be a manifestation of t- some type of gut dysfunction or food sensitivity, right? Another thing that uh, I can cover a little bit in a little bit more detail later is incomplete digestion of gluten and casein can cause the formation of what are known as gluteo and casomorphine morphins, morphins, right? So they're opioid like peptides that can get through the gut lining into the bloodstream, into the brain of your child and cause changes in behavior. And there's actually quite a lot of research into this area that's been done in in autism, right? Um, Other things that are problematic with gluten is that parts of gluten can mimic the structure of some of our own tissues, including tissues in the brain. So the immune system can be misled to attack our tissues because it's attacking the gluten parts. And then that blueprint for that antibody, or, or that, that the antibody's blueprint for that antigen of, or part of gluten mimics something like a, like a nervous system or a brain cells component, right? And the the immune system thinks that's the the antigen, the gluten body, and attacks that, which can cause damage, of course, inflammation. And over time, it can uh, lead to autoimmunity where the immune system attacks our own tissues, right? And we know that leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which many autistic children uh, have, uh, can make all of the above things much worse right and the vicious cycle that actually can happen is that gluten um, can con- itself can contribute to leaky gut there's been some very good research into this area so Gluten can contribute to leaky gut. And once you get that process going, adding more gluten, you know, eating more gluten can just make matters worse. And then you have uh, tissue damage, inflammation. Over time, you have autoimmunity. And, you know, when the uh, body, when the immune system attacks parts of our brain and immune system, that's when you can have various manifestations in terms of the, the our mental health or um behavior or uh you know you 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 could have a um over time you it can lead to symptoms that are generally labeled as autistic symptoms right if there's an underlying component of nervous system or brain brain cell damage that could be contributing to those, right? So there's a lot of problems with gluten. And again, if you're overall healthy and your gut is in great shape and it's there's no uh, intestinal permeability, you know, you, you can eat gluten every meal, bread and pasta. You could eat... and There's tons of people that out there that uh, do do that and they're totally fine. But if you... Have a child that you're not even you've not not done any lab testing yet um to identify is there any problems gut dysfunction and so on or there's visible gut dysfunction then it's it's probably a bad idea to continue adding uh potential allergenic or uh antigenic compounds to to that uh equation, let's say right. Now, there's just to, to kind of a few more points related to grains in general. Um, so today's wheat is highly hybridized and actually contains more gluten than the wheat of some decades or even uh, centuries ago, right? There's other non-gluten proteins in grains that co- can cause immune reactions in your child. Uh, they're known as lectins. Non, now, further exacerbating the problem is when the wheat or the, the sources of gluten or the grains that your child eats are from a non-organically sourced uh, 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 manufacturer. So, non-organic, conventionally grown uh, uh, grains are very heavily sprayed with uh, uh, Roundup or glyphosate or herbicides. Pesticides, tons of artificial fertilizers are used, uh, fungicides, all sorts of all sorts of chemicals. That's big agri, big agriculture, and just m- massive quantities of food are created this way. And this food is, in order to 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 be able to produce such massive amounts of food, you need to use very Chemically sort of laden and driven processes and big machines and a lot of diesel, so it's very it's messed up it's messed up really what has become of um, the food that we we eat nowadays really? And then I've already mentioned that so you, uh, grains back in back in the day, our great gra- grandparents, they would soak sprout and ferment grains uh, you know even like sourdough. Sourdough um, is a much better if you're going to eat bread. It's a much or your child's going to eat bread. is a much better organic sourdough. It's a much better uh, 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 choice than, let's say, store bought white bread, right? And so, again, I mentioned some of these anti nutrients that are inactivated. By soaking, sprouting, and fermentation uh, include trypsin inhibitors, tannins, and phytate. And some of these can inhibit digestive enzymes in the gut, so that impairs digestion. And others, like phytate, can bind with zinc, iron, magnesium, and inhibit their absorption. And uh, you know, I won't even get into oxalates that the fact that. Uh, these grains, like wheat, for example, has oxalate as well, which can also bind with minerals. It it can form crystals in the body, and uh, it's another whole big can of worms that we just want we don't we don't have time to get into that right. Um, then the dairy stuff. So big, big problem is a lot of, again. If it's non if it's non organic dairy, you have all the the risk of the animals eating GMO sprayed toxic grains like soy, uh, corn, whatever. Uh, You also have the fact that those animals could be uh, pumped full of other hormones and whatever to keep them alive and healthy long enough that they they can keep producing the, the milk Um, But casein in general, whether it's from an organic or non-organic source, can also uh, contribute to gut inflammation and immune uh, reactions in the body. It can also bind with some tissues in the the body or cause cross-reactions similar to, to what I explained earlier about gluten due to a phenomenon... Uh, known as molecular mimicry. So, when molecules mimic each other and they look similar, and the body has created antibodies that mistake our own tissues for the casein or the gluten or whatever antigen uh, has been labeled by the immune system. And again, that over time it can lead to uh, uh, obviously tissue damage. product of that is inflammation and over time it can lead to autoimmune reactions and when it comes to autoimmunity god like i don't know if you've looked into like uh, over the last 30 40 years how many new autoimmune diseases have been classified it's just the over time the body breaks down it just very Complex in different ways and causes all sorts of different symptoms, right? And yeah, the the, there's other milk protein constituents. So, for example, alpha-lactalbumin and b lactoglobulin These are other um, things that can cause issues. Some kids are simply also they're simply lactose intolerant. So, that's another potential problem with dairy. And I, I already. Uh, explained organic and pastured is obviously better, but yeah, with non-organic you have uh, uh, grains. Uh, the animals not eating their their normal diet. You know, like the cows are supposed to eat grass pretty much most of the time, and you know most goats and sheep they they eat plants and a lot of a lot of cattle in. In the states, especially, are given soy and corn, and it's just not the right food, and antibiotics, and so so many other things. Right? Another problem with dairy is that pretty much all dairy you get out there is pasteurized. So this this is actually is not, pasteurization just kills uh, living enzymes and and uh, beneficial bacteria and so on. And really, it's it's just Sterilizes and kills uh, so much nutrition in the food, right? And you know, that's, I suppose, I suppose, um, in terms of how uh, gluten and dairy and grains can be harmful to your child, we we'll just wrap it up with what I mentioned earlier about these op- opioid peptides, also known as gluteomorphins and casomorphins, these are morphine like compounds that are formed when gluten and casein are not properly digested. So they, obviously, you can think about morphine, uh, what effects it has on on a human. So imagine these are uh, similar to morphine in, in structure. So basically, um, they can get into your child's brain and nervous system, and they can exert negative uh, strong negative behavior effects right and in the course and in my book I have uh 10, 11, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve I have more than twenty studies that have looked into into this stuff into opioid peptides and most of them are uh, in autistic children and adolescents. So this actually has been known for a very long time, this stuff. Some, like so I'm just looking at the dates on some of these studies. Uh, some are from 1999. So, yeah, it's we've known for a long time. I mean, we haven't. Uh, sci- researchers have known. And unfortunately one of the reasons that I I had to write my book uh, and share it with parents like yourself is, unfortunately, uh, a lot of that research that has been done over the last 20, 30 years is just nothing has been done with it. Very few doctors have actually um, done something with that research. So we have to spread more awareness of... In essence of the, again, the health challenges that are caused by our modern lifestyles um, and our polluted planet, the, the, these, these a lot of the health challenges autistic children suffer from are a byproduct of just really corporate greed and badly managed resources and stuff. So just, just to kind of go on a little tangent here, it, it, this is where I want to kind of not... Uh never like have a stance that we're blaming the parents for this stuff, right uh, so we live in a in a very toxic environment. The water, the food is extremely toxic and contaminated, right? So this causes problems in the human body, and kids are much more vulnerable to these problems, right? So it, what we need to do is educate ourselves, educate other people that we need to you know, take steps to reduce all these toxic exposures and teach parents how to identify what particular set of unfortunate things are afflicting their child so that they can do something about it. You know, and again, like, it's not your fault if your child has candida overgrowth or, or bacterial infection. You know, it, Is it your fault that governments allow the indiscriminate use of glyphosate in the food supply and that uh, destroys our microbiome and microbiota and that allows pathogenic organisms to, um, you know, take hold and, and east to, to, to overgrow. It's not our fault. Um, and there's many other examples I can give you with heavy metal exposure, chemical exposure in food, and the water, you know, chlorine in our showers, in our shower water, bath water. There's many... Examples I can give you. So it's not a, it's not about. If anything's to blame, it's government. If anything's to blame, it's corporate greed. Um, but again, what we have to do is, once we know these things, we have to take responsibility. Right. That's one thing, where there's a lot of power is when we, when you take responsibility, and take actions. That's where you can actually affect tremendously positive change for your child and your family in general. Right. So, little tangent there. Sorry about that. So, yeah, opioid peptides. Some of the negative, uh, some of the effects exerted by opioid peptides can include increase. And this is from the studies. Now, I've I've all those twenty or twenty-two studies that um they're in my book and then they're in this course on the gluten-free, casein-free diet that I just published. Um, So, some of the effects exerted by opioid peptides can include increasing autism symptoms increases in aggression self-abusive behavior lack of attention or sleepiness increased inflammation in the gut lower antioxidant levels contributing to oxidative stress which can deplete antioxidants can cause damage in the body exerting a negative influence on the gastrointestinal Immune and nervous systems, interfering with methylation and DNA expression, and even affecting certain neurotransmitter systems, which neurotransmitters are you know chemicals in the nervous system in the brain, so that will have a behavioral effects. So, just final po- few points on the opioid peptides there there seems to be there there are several factors that can ma- make it worse for 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 whether or not opioid peptides will you know uh become a problem for your child so it it could be so there is a component of genetic predisposition to it uh early life exposure to environmental toxins and stressors the state of their, their the child's gut health and the level of intestinal permeability so also the digestive enzyme activity in the gut and increased blood brain barrier permeability so uh, again so state of the gut's health level of intestinal permeability digestive enzyme activity if you this is this is why I, I kind of keep going back to one of the most important things to focus on for your child is improving their gut health because so many issues improve when the person's gut health is improved, right? And, and of course, removing toxic insults, toxic exposures, reducing toxic exposures from non-organic food, you know, from just from the, the kind of pots and pans you use. There's so many different ways that I, again, I've discussed in the book and on the podcast. Um, Yeah, so, and here's the thing, right? So, here's the thing the gluten free casein free diet can help a lot when um either opioid peptides are an issue or when the of course ob- obviously if if your child is sensitive to some component of gluten or casein of course obviously removing gluten and casein uh from their their diet is going to have beneficial effects right so that should go without saying um so that's, that's so that that's a little bit about um what the problems are with with uh, gluten and casein right so let's talk a little bit about the benefits what are the potential benefits of the gluten-free, casein-free diet? And again, when I say the gluten-free, casein-free diet, I want to emphasize it needs to be done well. You, it needs to be the healthy, gluten-free, casein-free diet. And, uh, you know, a large part of this course and a large part of the the chapter on diet in my book it involves... Um, cleaning up your child's diet and it's as much it's almost more a, a good healthy diet in most autistic children you know if, where, where the parents are only beginning the kind of the journey of uh, everything we discuss on the podcast the most it's actually more important what you remove from the diet uh, than in in many ways than what you add to the diet because you can add all the most amazing nutrient dense foods but if you're if if your child is eating a lot of um, processed foods, it unfortunately is, the, the, a lot of that benefit will, will, will be outweighed by the, by the processed foods, right? So anyway, we'll just discuss that a little bit later. So, so I, I've looked at a lot of the studies on the gluten-free, casein-free diet, and I've compiled some of the observed improvements that have been noted by the researchers. So, some of the improvements common improvements seen are improvements in the areas of communication and use of language, attention and concentration, social integration and interaction, uh, in improvements in terms of self-injurious behavior, so reduction of it, uh, improvements in repetitive or stereotyped, patterns of behavior, improvements in motor coordination, and reduced hyperactivity. And some of the parent reported benefits that I've uh, compiled from my research is, so improved gastrointestinal function, so less constipation or diarrhea, better sleep, that's actually uh, quite quite often that happens, less irritability, less hyperactivity and stimulatory behaviors, decreased emotional volatility and improved mood, increased appetite for other foods, fewer rashes and skin issues, less runny noses and other allergic type reactions, improved verbalization, eye contact and attention. So quite a lot of good benefits there um you know again so the skin issues rashes again a lot of these come from the gut runny noses and allergic type reactions remember these are potential allergens so uh, gluten is an allergen uh many people have a uh sensitivity or some type of reaction to gluten they just live all their lives not knowing um that they do and they think it's normal, uh, whatever symptoms they have, you know, it's normal to have around your nose or it's uh, they're they've always, it's like I've always had these uh rashes, right? Well, that's not no that's not normal. So the body it, it, it rashes and, and like things like that, they there's a there's always a reason for them. I and the body just doesn't decide I'm gonna have a rash. You know? There's gotta be a reason. For it, and uh, generally, we we should be sleeping well. We should like at night. You should be tired and want to be sleepy. You should be pooping uh, regularly and well. And um, you know, someone you can't say someone that I, I just have. I've had diarrhea all my life. No, this you might have some type of inflammatory bowel condition, or I've always been constipated. I mean, there's something wrong. You might be dehydrated. You might um, Have God knows parasites, some type of uh, gut pathology. So there's there's always a reason, right? And it's not even that difficult nowadays to actually find these reasons. I mean, with the tests, the lab tests that we have available to us, um, it's just. I I think nowadays there's no excuse. Now it's we we have the tools, we have the knowledge. I think with just with my one book uh you know you can cover so many bases um that you know i think it's it's kind of sad that you know that uh, the practitioners and authors that talk about these things um they're just not given as much attention as they should so what, what, what another, okay so another thing that parents um so when, when some parents at the beginning of of the the journey, they look into the gluten free, casein free diet, and they see, uh, you know, so, some other parents will tell them, "Ah, oh, you know, we tried it, it doesn't work, or there's no there's no evidence, no scientific evidence that it works." And there's a lot of, I believe, misconceptions about the diet, right? So I just want to clear them up a little bit here. So. When it comes to research on the gluten-free, casein-free diet, generally longer studies seem to show positive results, more so than shorter trials. Uh, So a 12-month study is more likely to show positive results than a 12-week study, right? And this is what I talk about in the book and in the course. You need to give the diet a minimum of 12 weeks. So three months. But that's the bare minimum. So three to six months. Six months is, I think, the what what should be uh, the minimum, right? But let's say three to six months should be the bare minimum um, before you start to kind of say, okay, that nothing has happened, you know, because a lot of these things take time, right? Uh, So uh, metabolic changes take time. If you stop, if you suddenly stop eating gluten today, well, tomorrow you're still going to have a ton of a bunch of antibodies, um in, in immune system cells uh running around your 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 bloodstream still because it takes it takes time for the immune system and the body to down regulate the production of these antibodies or or immune uh, cells that are causing the inflammation and triggering other uh you know tissue damage and whatever other autoimmune process it takes time and it takes time for the gut to heal it takes time for the microbiota to rebalance itself so you need to uh this one of the things is you really need to uh be patient with the diet and here's the other part here's the other part you need to do the diet well um because uh you know some some potential reasons why studies have not found uh necessarily great improvements from the diet could be that maybe the the parents uh the participants of the studies they just took gluten um and casein and then just replaced it with other uh let's say gluten-free bread and cereals and uh soy milk soy soy substitutes And uh, a lot of still a lot of grains, still non-organic food, so it's it's kind of it really takes away a lot of the benefits. You might get some benefits from taking the gluten out, but then if you if you're still if the child uh, has some type of untested for gut dysfunction, parasites, bacteria, uh, you know nutrient deficiencies, if you don't do the full kind of health building program that I kind of talk about in the book, then changing one variable is unlikely to give you uh, dramatic results, right? You really need to um, to do the diet well. So you have to remove a lot of crappy processed foods. You have to eat out less often, cook more meals at home and um, there's a lot of hidden sources of gluten that you need to look out for as well, right? So this is what I this is what I discuss in my book. Uh, it's quite, obviously, it's already forty minutes into this episode, and there's a lot of little details like that, right? That um, I can't really cover them all, and I, I have covered them some before. But uh, when it comes to the diet, this is, I think, what the most important thing you need to to uh, really understand is. You have to do the diet well. Be strict with the diet because you could you could do 5 days really well on the diet and then okay the weekend you go somewhere and you know your child might want ice cream and or a burger or a pizza and <laughs> unfortunately pizza is my favorite thing in the world but I know it's the worst thing as well because it's got the 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 flour and the cheese and the I mean not not necess- I don't I don't think cheese is a bad food but you know, in if if you get it out, it won't be organic cheese. The, the most pizza places don't use organic ingredients, so I still feel guilty when I eat pizza. But yeah, so you have to do the diet well, and that means. Let me just go over actually what the principles of a healthy diet are. So you can take these principles and simply remove gluten, casein or dairy products except butter, remove soy, and, and I would also recommend remove corn, and I, I explain why in my book and in the course. Um, so the principles of a healthy diet for your child and your and your family, organically grown fruits and vegetables, Grass fed meat and pastured eggs and dairy products. If, if again, you remove dairy in this case, but um, except butter, so pastured eggs, grass fed meat, wild caught small fish like sardines, for example, mackerel, no farmed fish, and you limit the large ocean fish like tuna, clean filtered water, free of contaminants, should go without saying, but many people still drink tap water or just, they use these Brita, Brita jugs and um, th- th- that's all the filtration they do to their water. Not, way not good enough unfortunately with the municipal water supplies we have nowadays. Uh, and then minimum possible processed or junk foods. This is super important, so free from sugar. Sugar is this one of the, the most toxic things that your child is eating it's the sugar it's the sugar trust me um artificial colors additives herbicides pesticides and other chemicals so you have to absolutely minimize all of these as much as possible so how do you do that well buy organic as much as possible and uh i, I have uh, some um tips on how to transition to an organic diet in the course and in the book. Um and yeah, cook as many food, cook, cook as many meals from scratch and try to I honestly like I know it's hard, but eating out and take out, uh it's convenient and stuff, but actually it's just they use the 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 just garbage oils and all sorts of just horrible, horrible things. Uh, in restaurants. even the even the like the higher end restaurants, they still use a lot of garbage ingredients. And takeouts, God knows, God knows what they're putting in a lot of these takeouts, right? So, if you actually do less less of that, and you buy the food yourself, you will be, this is one way you can actually. A lot of folks, um, they eat out a lot, or they they eat a lot of takeout and pre pre made food. If you actually uh stop buying those that money can go into buying better quality food ingredients right so in in some ways uh in in some cases you might actually save money and get more meals out of let's say 60 for 60 dollars or whatever or euros you might get a takeout for two adults and a child let's say or or like uh Whatever it might be, eighty dollars, depending on where you live. For that, for that money, you can get four or five meals, and you can get, you know, buy buy some organic beef or chickens, a few uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, and you you can make some a couple of really good meals. Uh, and it will cost the same, but it will be much much healthier, right? And I and I understand some people don't have time, and there, there's a lot of variables here, but there's always ways. There's always little tweaks you can do. That's why, you know, my book and the courses and all the, on the podcast, I I I try to give you like little things that you can substitute. And um there's certain foods that ideally you want to start buying organic as soon as possible if you're not already. But there's other foods, for example, uh uh cabbage, um uh, onion, the mushrooms that are not sprayed as much as, let's say, apples or nectarines. So you, those foods you don't have to uh, rush as much to, to substitute for organic. So there's ways to transition to an organic diet that doesn't break the bank, and it's it's all about habits, habit changes, and uh, in some ways diverting resources. Um, but you know, there's there, I I I've got the resource. Resources here on the podcast, in the book, and whatever else. Um, so that's that's that. Uh, another couple of points of the principles of a healthy diet uh, that I wanted to finish off with. It needs to ha- exclude foods to which your child is allergic or sensitive. So this goes back to the importance of uh, uh, the lab testing. It can really it can save you months of frustration. And uh, it can really accelerate your child's uh, health positively, you know, in ways you, you might not even imagine. So uh, a food sens- a quality food sensitivity test can just help you to remove foods that your child is eating every day or every week that are just causing inflammation and, and immune reactions and uh, just tissue damage and uh, gut problems. So if you, let's say there's three or four of those foods, and if you, did a uh, food sensitivity test oh my god uh would be like you it's like um a light bulb will will flash and you're like oh, okay remove those and um you know i i i've worked with clients where they remove uh let's say six or in some cases i've seen up to 80 foods that have sensitivity to 80 80 but let's say there's 10 or 12 foods that you're eating on a regular basis, you remove those, and in three months, six months, like people just cannot believe the 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 results the the imp- improvements in health that they get right uh, <coughs> excuse me, and then next uh, last two points I will cover of the principles of a healthy diet, and why if you do the gluten free case free diet, it needs to be the healthy gluten free casein free diet these are so the, the your child's uh, diet must contain adequate calories and protein not too much not too little of course and i emphasize the protein part and fats actually cuz and and i've talked about this before but kids just gravitate towards high carb uh crappy foods unfortunately most kids so it's important that they get protein with every meal as much as possible, good quality protein. So um, animal products—that that's definitely the best source of protein. Now, uh, you know, folks, some folks may disagree, and you know, it's a massive debate still. But um, that's that's the best source of protein and fats. And the the previous episode, I, I discussed fats in much more detail. But, and So you should know uh, which are the right fats and which are the fats and oils that you need to st- stay the heck away from, right? So th- those are kind of the points. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there because as you can see, there's this course that uh, I just published. It's like something like 90 slides and I was just reading bits and pieces of the slides here. But uh, as you can see, I could go on for hours and hours discussing these things, um, which I will in, in future uh, episodes. But um, yeah, hope you found this useful. And again, check out the links below in case there's some resources that could help you accelerate your child's health building program. Um, yeah, leave it there. Thanks for, thanks for stopping by and listening. And I'll see you next episode.